0: This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. So you watched this on 1.5 times speed this time. I did.
1: <laughs> yeah, I sped through it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I get the gist. Like. <laughs> Sometimes I'm
0: Hello and welcome back to Do Try This At Home, the podcast where we do try at home to make mediocre (laughs) movies better. (laughs) Every time. Every time. Uh, You join us once again in Netflix season and I am once again joined by Harrison Gale. How are you doing?
1: That's me. Uh I'm I'm doing okay. Um very very excited for Thanksgiving coming up, which you wouldn't understand, uh as <laughs> Honestly, I thought being not American. I thought
0: Thanksgiving had already happened. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, like, hey, uh had Thanksgiving go? <laughs> yeah, for our listeners we were recording this um a couple of days before. The Thanksgiving holiday, and uh, last year was actually my first Thanksgiving not at home mm. because I was I was in your country in my in my um, country I was, <laughs> in my country I was in uh, I was in uh, Oxford doing a master's degree, yeah. and for the month of November of 2020, y'all went into lockdown, so mm. I spent the entire month just inside with the sun setting at like 3:30 p.m. <laughs> i mean like i am ready to die um (laughs) but uh it was my first thanksgiving away from home but my my lovely flatmate james akka shout out to james if you're listening (laughs) celebrated uh friendsgiving with me and we like cooked a meal together and then i made him watch the charlie brown thanksgiving special because that's what we do in my house every year
0: did they ever do a thanksgiving special for friends called friendsgiving
1: uh, I don't know. I they should I have. never watched Friends. <laughs> no, yeah, they, they should have. They should have hired you back in in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, when to, did Friends run until like two thousand
0: four? I could have. I could have gone on to one of those later
1: seasons. <laughs> as, yeah, as a, as a toddler. toddler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is our new. This is our new uh, addition to the writers' room. This child. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like I should explain why <laughs> this is I guess season right. 2.5 <laughs> because we took a yeah. a long it's been a while unexpected hiatus whilst we both went and were just busy with our lives for the first time in a long time I guess because we started this mm-hmm. in lockdown or, or like in right. like like semi-lockdown and so then when mm-hmm. things opened up again and we both had stuff to go do it became much harder to to organize and then today's episode we have recorded before (laughs) and
1: then yeah
0: and then uh i lost my laptop so wow
1: we're doing it again yeah had had your had your laptop (laughs) stolen swiped yeah
0: (laughs) so somewhere the original version of this is sat with a thief uh,
1: Yeah, he probably was like, "Oh, nice, got this laptop. Let me see if there's anything good in it." <laughs> and then <laughs> opened it up. He's like, "Oh man, it's just podcasts."
0: <laughs> he just tossed it.
1: <laughs> yeah, just tossed it right in the garbage. This
0: is this has actually been devalued entirely by the yeah. fact that it has a podcast on it. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's just let's get into it. We're, we're yeah, we're looking this week at a. One of the many Netflix documentaries, and within that genre, a subgenre of the the music documentary. Harrison, what film are we looking at?
1: We're looking at Miss Americana, uh, directed by Lana Wilson, that came out uh, last year, which is a profile of singer songwriter Taylor Swift mm. uh, and following her over uh, a couple of years of her career, but uh, leading up to the release of her album lover from 2019 as we know she's very prolific and has already released like two more albums <laughs> yeah, and she's got then. like another one coming out pretty soon right well. so yeah yeah she's a writing machine yeah like, whether you like her music or not you have to admit she's an extremely prolific yeah. whether, you, whether you like well, any of
0: it or not she has right. written
1: lots of songs. <laughs> yeah, she has so, so many songs. <laughs> well, because
0: there's a clip in this of her at the age of, like, 14 or 15 or something on, like, one of her first times on radio, and she says that she's already written, like, 120 so- songs at that point, which is mad. Which is, ab- yeah, that's, that's like, absolutely nuts. That's, like, the entirety of Billy Joel's career. Yeah, just,
1: like, from a 15-year-old. <laughs> um, I mean, to be, yeah, to be quite honest, I was, like, the earlier moments of her career mm. i like I, like i admit like she was a prodigy yeah like she yeah. played a song like there's a home video of her playing a song i guess for family and friends or something and like oh i finished the song like 15 minutes ago i just wrote this mm. and it was like you know a well-structured song storytelling it was, as well it's like, yeah there yeah. was storytelling it was thoughtful i was like i can't believe this is coming out of a you know like 13 14 year old yeah as i think back to when i was 13 or 14 (laughs) and like you weren't right you you weren't
0: like chatting out sort of chart toppers at that point in your life
1: no actually you know i at that time i was also very into songwriting oh really yeah and i i still do how'd that work out i I just keep them to myself (laughs) yeah as clearly oh i just decided to go a different career route um now well i just like do it for me now but um at the time i was like oh i'm going to be a <laughs> i'm i'm going to be a musician but like like alternative rock or whatever <laughs> whatever the hell i thought like i wrote like i took a class on uh like, something about music in in middle school, and I, like, wrote a paper about Coldplay. <laughs>
0: I, I would say, um, in some ways, you coming to the realization of writing music for yourself means that you went through the, the sort of personal arc of this film years before wow. Taylor Swift did.
1: <laughs> and much faster. And
0: much faster, yeah.
1: Except with a lot, being paid no money. Yeah. When I, the whole time
0: when I was at, just on that point of writing a paper on plate, when I <laughs> when I was at, that, yeah that was my low point when I was at university doing a Shakespeare paper I I came very close to writing writing a paper on um uh the allusions to Shakespeare in Mumford and Sons debut album
1: <laughs> no
0: way yeah
1: no way. well because
0: there's like like sino more is like lifted directly from much to about nothing i gave you right. always like uses like words from king leah and so i was just like yeah sweet i'm gonna write this but then i got talked out of it by some friends
1: <laughs> oh not even your not even one of your tutors. <laughs> oh no and i never
0: pitched this to my tutor don't worry about it. they were that. like
1: you can't you can't say this to <laughs> Any other person <laughs> like you will if if any
0: academic finds out about this you will be immediately kicked out of this university you're finished
1: <laughs> it's over for you
0: <laughs> okay look we should get into anyway. talking about this film <laughs> um yeah well you kind of already started talking about we like to we like to start the show by talking about the stuff we liked about the film yeah and you kind of already already started on that um mm-hmm. i i i think this I I think it's a well-made film, a well-made documentary uh, in in a sense. I think it's compelling. I think it, it centers Taylor Swift very well. I think it like sort of mixes in, like there's a sequence early on that's lots of archival footage kind of telling the story of her career up to that point. And I thought that was really well put together. And I think that there are some strong ideas that are kind of presented to us. But I just think, unfortunately, just none of them ever get developed. So there's stuff around like, you know, eating disorders and Mm -hmm. being a young artist that's constantly trying to like reinvent themselves and and being forced by the industry to reinvent themselves. And there's stuff in there about an apolitic, like a specifically apolitical artist becoming political and all of these things. And, and, And they're all really interesting but none of them is given enough breathing space or even like enough. It's not even necessarily about like it being longer or something, but like never given enough focus for those things to truly come through as like the core theme of what this is. And the the last of that about going from apolitical to political becomes more about plot as in giving an arc to the film at the end, rather than actually being about like a thematic approach to telling the story of Taylor Swift. So yeah, I, I think there's lots of strong ideas in this film. I just think they never quite come together and they're never quite sort of brought to like fruition of like everything that could be learned from those. And we'll get on to more. But mm-hmm. I think to start with like some compliments, I, I, I think the first time I watched this, at least, I did find lots of it compelling.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I do think that there are flickers of something really textured mm. about this person. That she does have this, or at least thematically as it's presented to us in the documentary, there's this um, battle in her life between the private and the public, between putting on a persona, which is not like, and I don't mean that with a negative connotation, like that's just part of being a person who performs for a living. Like that all all musicians, actors, celebrities... um, you know just personalities they all have to do this because you know nobody can present themselves like exactly as they are to the public with you know all of their you know warts and all mm. and, and not like have a total breakdown of their personality like th- this is required just as a coping mechanism for life yeah um and especially if you make a living off of performing something. So that's not like I don't say that as a, as a negative that like oh she's fake. Like I don't mean it in that sense. Yeah. You know, it's it, but it's very pronounced in her life, I think and it's emphasized by and yeah, it's emphasized by the fact that she in particular is a, a huge pop culture force. Like she's all she's a huge celebrity. Um she has basically grown up in front of cameras and with the scrutiny of the public, uh, the media, Kanye and... Kanye West. Yeah, and Kanye West. Like, so, yeah. So, I... Like, it, it, that seems to me to be, like, the theme mm. that emerges naturally from her life, but I agree that it feels like it's not really mine enough, or we don't get... Past sort of like the surface level conversation about it, that makes me feel like it's it's missing something. That, yeah, like you know, as you say, we get bits of like you know, her dealing with body dysmorphia and eating disorder and her mother's cancer diagnosis and, yeah, um, being you know, being a, a vulnerable teenager and having to do with media scrutiny and their sexual assault trial and all these things, yeah, but. And and they they are all meaningful and important, but yeah, I agree. Like it feels like there's there's too much sort of just being explored at the surface level, yes. and I, I would have liked to have seen like even if you're just picking, you know, one or one or two of those things, like it. it I think it would have been a little more compelling for me. And I did want to approach this film not trying to be cynical because yes. they think the there is a, and I do think that there is a legitimate reading and criticism of this film that that is very cynical and could, like, you know, there's always the possibility that it is like this PR smoothing over of like trying to improve a, a, a person's uh, trying to improve the response to a person's public persona yeah. um, with somebody as um, some, sometimes quite divisive, as Taylor Swift, yeah. who I think is in many ways divisive because of be, because of the the fact that like her music is pretty much like appealing to everybody, yeah. um, that like she's divisive because she's not divisive enough, mm. and I don't know if like. I don't know if as an artist like if she necessarily has a responsibility to be divisive or edgy or not because at the end of the day she's the one writing her songs and she can write whatever she likes but yeah I feel like there's kind of a disconnect still between like in in this film between her and the glimpses that we get of her as a person and I think an acknowledgment of the i mean you know an acknowledgement of some of the valid criticism yeah Um, i mean i guess that you know that is true to an extent of like her transition from being an you know apolitical artist to i think being a political artist in the sense that she publicly expresses political opinions yes her art is not political her art
0: but yeah but her art remains very
1: yeah generally very apolitical like maybe with the exception of like you know what Song about you know voting, but, yeah, um, <laughs> which even and I'm sure there are like, plenty of people who will have like an argument with me and will say actually oh, these songs are political and X Y and Z. This yeah. is just my this is my well, personal interpretation. To be fair, them, like but...
0: I, I think that that sort of brings us on to, to what we've kind of both identified as the issue here, right? Which is like, and it's an issue we identify with a lot of the films we talk about, which is like text without subtext, and the mm-hmm. solution is either you explore one or two of these like big issues we talked about in more detail and provide subtextual meaning behind the sort of textual presentation of like everything that's happening on screen um Mm -hmm. like for example let's say you took like the movement from apolitical to political um you would be telling the story of taylor swift as this purely apolitical being and then like showing that a, a number of examples of reasons why she she becomes political like that would be the arc you follow so there's the opportunity there to like choose one or two and then find subtext within that or the opportunity here is as you say that the core theme of this is this like pool between like the personal and the private and then the like public persona and this idea of having to be performative and i think it, again it like touches on this but i think that actually carries through probably all of these themes or these, like, vulnerabilities of hers that are, like, explored in the film. I think that carries through all of them. Mm. And so it's how do you make... How do you keep the text as we have it, like, this surface-level exploration of Taylor Swift as an artist from, like, like, holistically from many different angles, but through it thread this subtextual conflict of the personal versus the public, and, and and this idea of like what it means to be performative. And I think the way that that's presented in this, unfortunately, is like she's like, I always did things to please other people. And then the arc is she learns that she's going to make music and make decisions to please herself, which is great. That's, you know, a self-affirming, you know, arc of like a person. But what's more interesting is actually someone coming to a realization of their why they perform. And, and why they are performative and part of that can be wanting to seek approval that's definitely like you know you can't take away how she feels by making a documentary but there are certain things we can do as documentary makers that are constructing narrative and i think to push like this exploration of like her personal persona and her private persona Because actually, in some ways, like, they're presented as the same thing, even in the archival Mm. footage of her as, like, a teenager and stuff. Like, it's presented like they are the same thing. And it's only in occasional moments where she tells us it's not the same thing. And so it's like, how do you present those two things as different? And then, therefore, as she's having this moment of realization about politics and about going through that experience of, like, dealing with a sexual assault trial and all of these things, like, how can she then also be having this realization about the, the difference between like these two personas that she's been living as her whole life and how one of them constantly is reinventing itself. And then one of them is the real Taylor Swift. And I think the problem with this film currently is that we never fully get to see the real Taylor Swift, whatever that might be. I mean, obviously like we're all performative in different environments and and, like, even if we're not performers, but like there is a lack of, I think, absolute vulnerability sometimes in certain areas. There's, there is definitely vulnerability in a lot of it, but there's a lack of it. And some of the sections of the film are kind of like handled in a slightly sterile way to make sure that they are the perfectly neatly packaged version of this film, uh, which maybe I'm verging into being too cynical here. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, maybe, maybe going forward, then the thing we can kind of explore is how do we... How do we bring this subtext of, of, of performance out of mm-hmm. the, the what we already have on offer here? and perhaps maybe that requires some of restructuring of what we already have as well?
1: Yeah, I, I agree that I feel like that's kind of the the main thing that's lacking for me that like I like whether it's intentional or not again, like I don't want I don't want to get too cynical either, but yeah, it feels like when I, when I'm watching a documentary about a person, like when and, and their intent their stated intention is to show you the real version of you know x, x y and z then my expectation is in order for it to feel compelling in any way or that i am seeing a side of this person that i wouldn't normally see is to have these moments of vulnerability and that typically comes out in like interstitial moments when we're not thinking about who we're talking to or what we're doing. Yeah. And kind of those like quiet in-between moments where is the only place that any of us really drop any mask or performance is when we're by ourselves. And that can be difficult too if you're aware that there's a camera looking at you. It's kind of like, you know, the quantum physics problem that like the or the, you know, the observation problem that as soon as you like, observing something changes its outcome. Yeah. Like, we as people, as soon as we know we're being watched, whether that's um, by another person or that a camera's pointed at us, we're not going to behave in the same way that we would
0: absolutely without
1: that knowledge. Yeah. If, yeah, if we're working with what we have and whatever we've seen in the film already, I think to make it feel like it's conveying a, a more focused... Message or or more, or more focused perspective on Swift as a person and as a performer. I think that is and and this is also true of just documentary in general. That's going to come out of the editing. That you can you're going to have as much uh, raw footage as you want, but the I think the at least in in my opinion, the real challenge and art of the documentary is through the editing that now you have all this footage. I'm sure they had hours and hours and hours yeah. of stuff. And as the as the filmmaker, you have to decide what am I going to keep, what am I going to leave out, and how am I going to put it together in order to tell a story where, you know, out of real life, I think we we uh, like we as humans create stories out of life as it happens, but Life itself is not a story. Like sto- yes. story is is a human construct. It require and it requires um, structure, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so we, as you know, as the hypothetical filmmaker, we can take real life and take pieces of it and put it together to make a story. Yes. So I think with that in mind, yeah, it it really depends on like what we want the focus to be. Which like if we're just going, if we're going with this, you know. This theme of the tension between the public and the private, and kind of paralleling that with this arc of shifting from being totally apolitical and becoming an artist who publicly expresses political opinions. Yeah. Because um, I still hesitate to say that, you know, her music has become more expressly political in yeah. scare quotes, whatever that's really supposed to mean. I think. I think this film, in terms of its structure, really could have benefited from that kind of, um, like, starting at, at the the now, like, kind of starting where it's supposed to end and then at the end bringing us back to that point. Like, yeah. showing us what the end result is and being like, well, how did we get here? And then going back to her beginnings and, you know... Yeah. And the childhood to show us who she was before. I think part of the problem of this, right, is like...
0: As you say, editing is where the documentary is found. But I think with this documentary and lots of documentaries, there is an element of like explicit scripting that mm. is sometimes not obvious, I guess, to, you know, it, whilst you're watching it. But like all of the moments of framing where it's just like Taylor like sat around her apartment and she's just chatting about this and then she's chatting about that and she's showing you her diaries from when she was like 13 that's all Mm -hmm. you know that's all scripted you know even if it's not like written word for word that is scripted material and for me that's the big problem because that if you're gonna do a framing device like that that is explicitly scripted it has to be directly pointing us towards the core themes and it doesn't and so i think i completely agree i think actually the way you start the film in order to do this is you start it with only archival footage so you start with mm. like maybe you start with that moment where she's making a speech at an awards ceremony now and she's saying like get out there register to vote like that's your this is now and then it shoots back to you know her as a child and we follow through in uh, similar to the sequence we currently have but done in a more sort of like more in a style of like of, of like explicit documentary filmmaking where it's like there's no framing no voiceover nothing it's not taylor telling us her story but it's just the story as as we would have understood it or as it would have been presented through the media through the years mm. so you get like this moment of like now this is taylor you know stepping out and making a political statement then bam back to the beginning and we see those first like up to the point of the documentary starting to be made we see those first like 29 years of her life told through her celebrity her pers- her public persona sorry and then we launch into now this is taylor swift the real person the you know the 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 private um and and from there we can then start to tell this story but i think by starting with an entirely public understanding of who she is and telling that story publicly and then allowing us to see that story unfold from there through the private we are immediately shown that conflict between the two things
1: yeah, I I really like that idea because it it makes structurally it makes the juxtaposition of and the tension between the the public and the private very clear without also like hitting you over the head with it. Like again, it's this sense of we that the that the theme is being expressed through the structure of the film rather than Taylor Swift just telling us that that's the tension. Like, you know, now that you mention it, I feel like there are, there are a lot of moments in the film where it feels like, and again, I don't think that these are, like, these moments are necessarily, like, word-for-word word scripted, but there are moments where it feels like, you know, she's saying a theme in the in the movie, and I think, I mean, like, People don't really talk like that. Um, it's like, how crazy is it that somehow every time she has an epiphany, it's being filmed? Like, Yes, yeah. Um, You know, and again, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be too cynical. And I don't think anybody was like, all right, Taylor, and now you're, now you're going to say this theme. But, you know, if you put people in a room together and be like, talk about this issue. Yes. Like, that's going to come up. But that's not how people usually interact on a day-to-day basis like yeah, yeah. of course people have like po- like conversations about uh, politics and about the media and about like different issues and things all the time but it there's so and, and that's the thing that's like the the recurrence of this like group conversation and we see yeah. so many scenes like that um that i would rather like i would rather see the the themes of the film be expressed through the structure and actual material of the film rather than just hearing people tell me what the themes are (laughs) every every 20 minutes and and
0: part of the problem as well is that that group is never the same group so sometimes it's like her mom and her publicist sometimes it's like her mom and like some of her managers sometimes it's like her like the guy you know the, the guy she writes songs with and like like another recording artist or like the guy she writes song with and another musician. And then sometimes it's, you know, just her sat down with the documentary filmmaker and sometimes it's her and like an old school friend. And it's just like, okay, you have, you, again, if you're going to tell it through a natural conversation, you almost want it to be like one conversation that we can like ground ourselves in. But instead it's all of these Mm -hmm. conversations that feel so, they feel, even if they aren't, they feel inauthentic because they feel like they've been set up in anticipation for this theme to be talked about. So like the bit where she's going to talk about um, what it's like to be nearly 30 years old and not even thought about having kids, oh, we're going to sit her down with her like old childhood friend and they're going to talk about someone else who has had kids, right? And the bit where we're going to talk about uh, what it's like to be a, a woman making a political statement specifically about like, issues that affect women more than men well we're going to set this as her and her mom sat down and then they're going to be opposite two male managers who are giving the kind of like yeah. facts and fig- figures view on it right where it's like you will lose ticket sales and all this stuff um and i just thought <laughs> like know, mm-hmm. like it, it makes all of those feel inauthentic as well um now obviously you have to find a way of presenting the story like the text as as we understand it We have to bring up these issues in a certain way, but in some ways, like I would have preferred it to have all of those issues were brought up in a conversation between like her and the filmmaker, or her and her mum and the filmmaker. And it's like it's like like, feels like one yeah, like one sat down conversation, and then that launches us into moments that have been filmed that were and that were like filmed you know fly on the wall style rather than like Mm -hmm. in like a specific setup, and it just never feels. You know, it feels like it's aiming towards a style of fly on the wall, but it never feels like it actually is fly on the wall documentary making. And I I don't know, I wonder if it would have been more interesting to like really just film her going about her business and then found a way of like cutting that into then like a, a like frank, open, candid conversation, mm-hmm. which you could film as like, as if it were like one long conversation that takes, guides us through the whole film. Almost like her reflecting on and giving commentary on moments that have taken place in the last couple of years
1: right like i and uh now that you mentioned that i i realized that i think and I, i'm sure that this was a stylistic decision that um i think we we think should be should have been different but um everything that we hear from taylor is is not in that like there's no talking head style mm. um interview um and um i think I think that actually kind of weakens the film because I I like this idea of sort of uh, the the thread that's being woven through our our version of it is this like one long interview of her sitting down. And so we can cut back and forth between her like specifically articulated opinion on something um, that's not framed to us as something that she just says in the moment, but something that. She is thinking about and saying in response to a, a pointed question, and then intercut um, the the rest of the these other moments into into the film, and then that's that's the structure. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, there uh, the director was interviewed and stated that she viewed the movie as quote looking at the flip side of being America's sweetheart and meant to shed light on the less glamorous side of fame and stardom but i feel like those like the less glamorous side of fame and stardom is being talked about a lot yeah but i don't actually ever see a lot of moments where that's like happening to her that isn't on like the viewer side of a tv screen like we don't see what's on the the other side of the camera
0: that's it and and i think that's why like it's it's like key to have this like film that opens with like a this sequence that is entirely from like the public perspective of like news reports and and this and that like through her early career and then we do get like a return to that late in the film after the after she like does her political tweet i guess that's the other thing that's kind of funny about all this is that like <laughs> one the one dream. the one thing is like it's all building up to like an instagram post or something um, right which i don't know i get like, like i get okay. that that's obviously important but it's just like it kind of feels funny yeah but then that that launches into like a short um sequence of like i guess like news clippings and whatever there's a bit with stephen colbert making a joke about taylor (laughs) swift and that i was like how dare you come after my boy (laughs) stephen
1: also yeah that was so oddly edited i'm so glad you brought that up because i even thought to myself like they edited edited this in as if like he was being very critical of her. And it's just like this very innocuous, yes, silly, silly joke about like, like he, I think he says like, Tay-Tay um, didn't have like, enough
0: Sway-Sway, right?
1: Yeah. Tay-Tay didn't have enough Sway-Sway. And I'm like, you're, you're, you've edited this in as if it's like a sick burn. Yeah. Like yeah. meant to t- completely roast Taylor Swift. And literally it's just a dumb joke about like, <laughs> the sounds of words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like I don't think this was the one to pick. <laughs> like he, he really was not making fun of her. No, he
0: wasn't at all. <laughs> I think yeah, it's interesting, and he's exactly the, it's funny as well because he's exactly the kind of like late night host who would have someone like Taylor Swift on to talk politics. Like he's right. like he's had like Lady Gaga on to talk like specifically to talk about politics and stuff. Just, anyway, th- that's completely like beside the point. But anyway, I think anyway, it would be it would be good to. To, yeah, to give, like, her reflecting on moments that have happened in the media and then also, like, seeing her, her immediate reaction to that in person, but then also, like, yeah, like, her sort of, like, from the future, like, commentary back on, like, her reaction to it and how mm-hmm. that made her feel and things like this. Like, there's a moment, you know, it's interesting as well because I, I think as well, like, on that unglamorous thing, this there's a moment where she's kind of talking with i don't i can't remember who the guy is <laughs> he's some famous singer dude who was it you know when when he comes in uh, and like, records the vocals for for her song
1: oh um Brandon Yuri yeah of uh, of panic at the disco uh,
0: yeah panic at the disco that's it yeah 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 so so she's like chatting to him and then she's talking about like this guy broke into her apartment and slept in her bed like i you know when she wasn't there but like obviously very distressing like an incredibly right. distressing I'm like, thing. like, pull up. Like, and, and, I want to hear more about this. Yeah, and then it's just brushed <laughs> over. And actually, like, if you had, like, that, like, that conversation, but then also we got to see some commentary from, like, present-day Taylor Swift looking back and talking about, like, part of having this public persona is people think they can own that persona and they think that they can be, they're invited mm-hmm. to be a part of it. And they are invited to be a, a part of her journey that she presents, but they're not, they're not invited into that private space that is... Her journey—that's not what it's for. Um, and but again, right. I think we come down to this issue of like, this film is never willing to completely divorce the idea of a public persona and a private persona. Um, it still wants to present Taylor, the the real person, as Taylor Swift, the mega superstar that we see on on stage and on TV and you know whatever. And that's kind of a problem for the film and one that you would need to like. <laughs> help her to get past in in making the film which i guess d- didn't happen when this was made
1: yeah and i think also the the film kind of suffers from problem that like one of its basic premises is faulty which is that that they're, they they keep saying this throughout the movie that like oh like she like she's learning not to care if the yeah. industry doesn't think she's likable and that like it, it doesn't makes it doesn't make sense because like, she's still arguably the most popular musician on the planet. Yeah. And her, speaking her convictions, I I understand the whole arc of, like, being afraid of doing that leading up to the moment and ripping off the Band-Aid because you don't know what the reaction is going to be. But by the time this movie c- came out, we've already seen what the reaction is. Yes, and she's, yeah. the reaction is she's more popular than ever. Yes. But they keep saying throughout the film, like, like, you know i don't i don't care if this hurts my career and they parallel her with like uh well they were the dixie chicks at the time and now they're the chicks when they came out and said that for for those who uh, were not uh not aware of the iconic moment where the band said that they were uh, ashamed that george bush was from texas yeah and that like people went out and like got together mounds of their CDs and burned them and, like, burned them in effigy. Yeah. And, like, it was just this insane, vicious, monstrous response to just being critical of the president of the United States – But also, like, that was back in, what, like, maybe 2003, 2006, it was, like, still, like, you know, still tensions were much higher, I think, than they were now in relation to the wars in Afghanistan and in Iraq, and, you know, it was a time of, like, this, like, hyper-patriotism that, uh, you know... uh, well, I, I personally don't think it's patriotism at all, but like the sense of like, uh, if you were critical of the government at all, um, then that made you un-American, yeah. um, which is a totally different cultural climate to what we have now that like the, the idea that, um, you know, uh, being critical of the government and being patriotic, uh, are not mutually exclusive and in fact go hand in hand, that's a much more popular and widely accepted idea now. Yeah. And, you know, the left is becoming more widely accepted now in a way that it wasn't when the Dixie Chicks were, uh, where the, the Chicks were uh, making their political statements. And so it kind of, it's frustrating that there's this false equivalency that she's sort of being framed as like, wow, it's this like really brave thing, and like her career is at risk. But there, like we see when we see the the aftermath, like there really is, there really was not a lot of risk. Yeah. there, like maybe she would lose some ticket sales, but like she's already so popular that they're like the risk that she would, and and a totally different cultural climate from the chicks. That by the time she's saying like, um, you know. Uh, maybe a, a a you know a woman who thinks that like anybody who doesn't look or act like her shouldn't have human rights is not really that controversial of a statement. Yes, maybe it would be for like a small subset of her audience, but yeah. the the a level of risk of making that relatively tame political statement is not the same as what the chicks were saying in you know, in in the 2000s.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I do think part of it, I guess, is that she has this, like, origin in, like, country music. And so, therefore, like, a lot of, like, her... I guess her, like, initial fan base, which is, like, so different from what it is now, but, like, her initial mm-hmm. fan base would now be, like, generally, like... Con- like tr- uh, Trump voting country, like it was like. Mm-hmm. I that there is that part of it is like you lose where you came from a bit. But again, like that's never really made clear to us that that's the issue. But also, right. like it's also yeah, again, like it's just not an issue in the same way because as well, like her fan base is so young and and generally across America, like although there was like a geographical divide, there was also a, a, an age divide, right? In in mm-hmm. in the election, and so that like she doesn't really risk losing fans over being critical of you know Trump's Republican Party I think it's yeah it's interesting I do think I I think the reason it, it presents it as this great risk is because it presents that as the climax of the film and actually right. the version we're discussing here offers us an opportunity for the climax to be her really wrestling with this idea of like what her public persona is and who she is privately. And I think the conclusion, right, can be that the two things can be different and she doesn't, and, and, and like it's her learning that she doesn't have to keep thinking of them as the same thing. And then actually maybe that offers you an opportunity to show how closely married they have been, you know, she's she's thought of them as throughout her career and actually this is the realization that like she can have this private relationship that no one knows about and she can live this private life away from all of her fame and stardom and keep returning to that you know as as a career and as a as a public persona but like ma- keeping something back for herself and that can be the arc and in and if that's the if that's the core arc the decision to make a political statement is a decision to use her private voice in a public sphere but it's also like that's that's part of that that journey but it doesn't have to be the climax of that journey right right and and that that's i guess where this film falls down at the moment and i think it's about finding you know about fully understanding that those journeys and trying to show them and offering up a different climax and the, and the new one can be it can be as simple as like something far smaller like after that event uh maybe it is like the lead up to the award show that comes after that is it the VMAs where she wins for best music video or something like that i
1: think yeah
0: or you know or even like i guess this was like released in in anticipation for an album release from her so there is the challenge of like just the time frame that you're working in as a documentary maker but i just think yeah i think in some ways like it it chose the wrong third act to ramp up to and therefore it had to place stakes on this decision that as you said didn't warrant the same risk that it, it tells us it does and I think you could even like have her in the moment like it feeling like this big risk and then her commentary of like now saying you know like I don't know what we were worried about because this was obviously like a fine thing to do yeah I, I think it's difficult I think in some ways that's like th- those are kind of questions that can't be answered on a how a long podcast, um, yeah. Because they're things that like we would need to be there in the moment, making those things happen, uh, and we obviously weren't. And that's the, that's the weird thing as well, right? It's like a lot of the films we look back at, we can say uh, if we were to make them now, this is what we would do differently, but we can't make this now because, as we know, like she has progressed as an artist so much in the like year and a bit since this film came out and so <laughs> to make yeah this which film... is kind
1: of wild right that, yeah that her that she just i mean and that's something that's pretty amazing again whether you um like her or not yeah she like pretty much reinvents herself once a year
0: <laughs> yeah like her most recent album was like this return to something well i say return to is like it wasn't a return to country but it was like something like folkier than she had done before but like that return to like storytelling as like the primary focus of her music and 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 like and then and then obviously you have had the recent release of um red taylor's version and then all the like stuff around jake gyllenhaal and uh, it is just like a constant like she knows how to ride the waves of like what is going to create story around her and how to mm-hmm. then use that in her career if i'm talking again very cynically yeah but but i think like i also think it's fine like i think i would have liked if this film had been a bit more embracing of how cynical it was in a way like and like admitting
1: to that right and just kind of acknowledging that yeah that it, it's it's going to be constructed to a degree not brutal that, that's and honest just, right <laughs> yeah that it's just yeah that it's just unavoidable you know just saying like you probably are watching this thinking that you know you're gonna get this totally honest you know raw version of taylor swift and you're not gonna get it because it's impossible yeah
0: and that i would have loved to have seen and if that
1: and and again like that could be the end of the
0: film like her right. saying that like you know no like, one
1: can see who i really am yeah
0: exactly yeah i think that would have been so cool as a conclusion mm-hmm. and yet that's not what we got um yeah cause
1: that's that's a much more radical conclusion yes yeah. like to just say and acknowledge like You know, nobody is going to know me except me. Mm. And it's like, I I can be as vulnerable and as raw as I want, but no one else is ever going to see who I really am. Yeah. Because the only person who can see who I really am is me. Yeah.
0: and And also, like, I can't be as raw and as vulnerable as I want because because i just like people can't do that all the time it's, right it would be exhausting you wouldn't be able to do it yeah like, you just and they keep it up.
1: they shouldn't be obligated to no. like kind of challenging the idea that we you know challenging the idea that that we are somehow owed yes to see the the raw side of her yes um you know like because in all honesty like she as a person doesn't owe anybody any of that.
0: No, no, um, absolutely not.
1: Even, even for the sake of a more entertaining documentary, like, she doesn't owe that to anybody. Um, and it has to be her decision to share it. But, like, to make that kind of the the arc of it would give it the texture that I think it's lacking, that kind of like the, you know, the, the gravel that would make it really compelling yeah. is sort of just calling that out. Like, you know, we've gone through this now we've gone through this kind of uh arc about um the tension between the public and private persona and you know we've seen her in vulnerable moments and but we've also seen like, you know, you know, after being introduced to her through the lens of um the media, and now we're coming to the conclusion that uh, you know, for this whole exercise, yeah, we're never gonna see the, you know, you know, quote-unquote real Taylor Swift. Yeah,
0: we're, we're hearing a version that she's chosen to tell us of her story, but that's mm-hmm. all it is. It's like a version that she's willing to share rather than the version that she's lived through. Because also you can't mm-hmm. do that in like whatever, this was like 75 minutes long or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you say, like life isn't structured storytelling, life is life. Um, and, and to structure it and distill it down is immediately to lose something authentic about it um uh, yeah i think so and i think i don't think either of us has really been saying that we wanted this to be more raw and vulnerable but i think it was about like it also like can't feel explicitly scripted unless that explicit scripting is offering us something and in Mm -hmm. this version it, it didn't it has to offer us some commentary on her and some deeper meaning to the the events that are being presented to us harrison i think we've done it again
1: <laughs> i think we've done it again once again we've saved cinema man also was this our first wasn't this our first documentary it was
0: yeah yeah
1: wow look at us go
0: i think we've kind of touched on a lot of the stuff i wanted to talk about in terms of like how documentary filmmaking isn't as simple as like choosing where you point the camera and which bits you keep at the end like there are mm-hmm. we, you you have greater choice on how you you create and form a story as a documentary maker filmmaker than i think a lot of people necessarily realize yeah and i think that this film's is the, actually a perfect example of that because it is so so specifically chosen in the story it's, it's showing us that, that that there has clearly been like a vision from the beginning of making this film of what that journey was going to be and therefore, has presented it to us in this very neatly packaged way. Okay, look, let's uh, let's rattle on through to everyone's f- favorite segment of the the Netflix <laughs> season that we're doing. What 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 the heck is a Netflix original, and why is this one? <laughs> is that what the segment's called?
1: What What the heck is a Netflix original? Like trying to figure out what yeah. what makes it like quintessentially Netflix. What
0: to you? What, what would you say, like, because this is very different from the films we've already done, obviously being a documentary, right. what is it about this, though, that, like, screams Netflix original the moment you turn it on? And not just because it says Netflix original on the screen.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> that's that's the first answer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it, like, again, at the risk of sounding cynical, because mm. I also, to a degree, want to give the subject, Haver Swift, and the filmmaker... The benefit of the doubt, absolutely. Because I don't, I don't like to assume that people have nefarious intentions, but I think, yeah, it's this like, and not that, not that I think that Miss Americana was like totally an exercise in in PR, but there's an element of it that feels very safe. Yes, and I think a lot of Netflix films are also safe in a similar way, in the sense of like. You know, subject matter, or you know that they're not they're not doing anything that people are really gonna be turned off by. Yeah. Um. That it plays into what they know people already like, and you know, doesn't yeah doesn't really do anything that's like necessarily you know really impressive technically or or bad, but it's, you know, out there and an artistic risk. Yeah. But yeah, it feels like, you know, there's not as much at stake as I would like there to be. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of Netflix films are are like that, whether they're documentary or fiction that, you know, we see this kind of recurring theme that they, you know, they are producing what they know people like and what they know people are going to watch yeah. And that's not inherently bad, but yeah. you know, it is something to to be pointed out and considered especially because Netflix is um arguably the the biggest streamer of them all. Yeah. And they have a huge platform to um just introduce people to different things, like yeah. things that are just different from whatever they're normally watching, whether that's in subject matter or in uh, you know the technical elements of it of, you know, films that are just trying something different and um i think um it's a shame that that netflix doesn't take more risks in terms of like what it what it chooses to not just what it chooses to distribute in the sense of like what do they actually have on the site yeah but also like what they choose to promote because they put things on the site all the time that are those things and people don't watch them. They don't see the light of day because they're just buried by an algorithm. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's designed to just reinforce and promote stuff that people already like, and they're not finding anything new. And I think to me, this, I think as, as a documentary, again, like it has, uh, it, it has its moments. It has its, its positives. It has its upsides. It's, it's technically pretty well done. It's, Clearly made by a competent, very competent filmmaker, you know, who who did try to tell a story and put together an arc. But I feel like it's just kind of, yeah, it's missing something. And I think it's missing like, risk. feeling like there's, yeah, there's feeling like there's, there's no risk that it's yeah. missing the stakes it needs to really feel like um like a compelling artwork yeah i Um, guess
0: i guess that's it right it's like it's not it's not that it's missing stakes in its story although like we have talked about that it's missing those creative stakes where we feel Mm -hmm. the tension as the viewer that like there's something that something could go wrong with the decision that the director has made and Mm -hmm. that's the important thing right is like we need to feel like the, the the creative decisions being made could go wrong And then that is what creates exciting and dynamic Mm. filmmaking, and like Netflix, what Netflix is doing isn't inherently different from what studios did already, but also studios had arms of them that were specifically for pushing the boundaries a bit more. I think you know you think about Mm -hmm. like Fox Searchlight. Like, that was, like, specifically for, like, saying, right. oh, yeah, but we are going to take some risks on some exciting filmmakers mm-hmm. through this.
1: Touchstone, Touchstone uh, yeah. Miramax.
0: Yes, exactly. And and, and so, yeah, Netflix kind of seems to be slightly lacking that in these, mm-hmm. in these big, well-promoted Netflix originals where it's mm-hmm. everything feels safe, it feels without risk, and it feels very neatly packaged. And it's all packaged so that they... They have like a choice of a few different thumbnails so they know which one's going to get you excited and make you click on it. And it's mm-hmm. all like it almost feels like the stuff is made to be presented on their site rather than made to be a good film in a way.
1: <laughs> right. And that is that I think is very cynical and in, in and it's a, an important point to make but yeah. like sometimes being cynical is just right <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i think there there is something very cynical about the way that that netflix operates yes. um their distribution practices and yeah. the way that they like just the way that their website is constructed um that everything is designed just to get eyeballs not looking at everything, but looking at certain things. Yeah. Just the things they really want you to look at. Particularly like, the stuff it, that cost them a lot of money. <laughs> right. Like, as we yeah. have seen recently with, uh, like, Red Notice. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, what, somehow also Six Underground, also starring Brian Reynolds. I can't escape him. <laughs> he just follows me everywhere.
0: <laughs> well, look, I think that that that's we, we're coming pretty close to answering this question of uh mm-hmm. of what the heck is a netflix original we'll get there one day um <laughs> someday
1: but hopefully in uh, several episodes yeah like three or four episodes time when, yeah when the more season or less
0: <laughs> yeah i think well i think but it's interesting that this angle of documentary i think has actually probably brought us the closest to that because it's sort of like documentaries often are a risky area of filmmaking And they often are a place where directors have to push the boundaries or make riskier choices often because what makes interesting documentary subject matter are things that are going to be controversial or going to be sort of like divisive. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately again, like this film just doesn't present its subject matter as divisive enough for that to, Mm -hmm. for that to work. Um, Look, we did it and we're, and we're done like, it again we're on our way <laughs> to save cinema once more answering uh this question uh harrison where can people find you on the internet
1: where can you find me um you can find me on instagram and twitter and Letterboxed at hiya harrison Um, and you can, there's, like, some dude who keeps, like, commenting on, like, three-year-old reviews I wrote on Letterboxd, (laughs) just, like, just to, like, tell me, uh, your opinion is wrong. (laughs) Like, I so I just keep, like, I just keep, like, clapping back every time I see it, and I'm like, don't you have a life? Like, what do you, why do you care what just some rando on Letterboxd (laughs) thinks about, like, a movie from 1974 (laughs) that I watched, like half half awake in <laughs> like a college class and just like like yeah why do you care so if you're going to interact with me please don't be a jerk yeah um it's going to be more pleasant for both of us but if you want to interact with me on the internet you can find me at that handle at Haya harrison on instagram twitter and Letterboxed and caleb um where can folks find you on the inter- information super highway <laughs>
0: <laughs> i i'm also on twitter instagram and letterboxed at Caleb Lebster, C A L E B L E B S T E R. Come also be nice to me, I guess. If you know, <laughs> I, I, I I don't know if you want to pick a fight with me about a film. I saw sort of go for it, like I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care because um, I just you know if if I disagree with you, I disagree with you, whatever, man. But but I would prefer if you just like were nice to me. I guess yeah yeah, it just seems like better for everyone ideally right? yeah yeah,
1: I would prefer that
0: and you can find us on the internet at do try this pod
1: yeah Yeah. you got it I got it
0: I remembered <laughs> do try this you pod it. it's a, it's a, do it's a good do try this pod it's a really clever name right do try this pod because it's like it's our name do try this at home right but then yeah it's also telling you to do try this pod do try it out have a listen
1: <laughs> do, do try it out
0: um so yeah it's pretty smart i guess
1: yeah way to toot your own horn <laughs> okay we get it you're a genius um, <laughs> it a rest all right
0: well uh thanks for listening uh we'll see you next week and uh and we did do try this at home
1: <laughs> every single time <laughs> Just...
0: that was a maybe you like it production
1: maybe you liked it Maybe you didn't.